0: Welcome everyone, Fractured Skulls, Terminator Trials, alongside Monoxide, episode 168, it is Saturday night, November 11th, 2023, if you can believe it, we got a doubleheader tonight, Monoxide, are you are you in the mood, are you feeling the groove, is it your birthday today,
1: uh, is it April 9th, no, uh, then I ain't my birthday, unless 50 cents says so, then Go, Shawty. It's definitely your birthday.
0: Well, we're gonna party like it's your birthday, because we're gonna cel- we're gonna be celebrating it for five nights. Huh. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah,
1: and we don't give a fuck. It's not your birthday.
0: Party in the club.
1: Yeah, motherfucker. Oh wait, Samuel L. Jackson had nothing to do with it.
0: <laughs> well, I guess we'll get right to the news stories. Let's check, check it out. It out. Well, we talked a lot about Disney in our last episode. We're not going to talk about them this episode.
1: Oh, Besides- God, thank you.
0: <laughs> Besides, there's one little news stories that they got. I think we covered it in our last episode, but they got to buy Hulu. Uh, eight billion dollars.
1: They bought or they're going to buy Hulu for eight billion dollars?
0: Well, yeah, as part of their purchase for 20th Century Fox, they agreed that they would buy out Hulu or they would buy out Comcast's shares of Hulu which is eight billion dollars. So once they buy that from Comcast, they will own the Hulu app. It is now being reported that uh Hulu and Disney Plus is gonna merge into one in April of twenty twenty four.
1: So if they buy Hulu, what what's the deal with Hulu? Is it still going to exist or is it just gonna be an extension of Disney Plus?
0: Well they're gonna have to exist because one, they're gonna they I mean, Disney Plus put them $4 billion plus in the hole. They got to spend another $8 billion buying off Hulu. It would make uh-huh. sense to close down Disney Plus and then just stick with Hulu.
1: It would, but think about who we're talking about here.
0: That would so dumb. Hulu has more name value than Disney Plus.
1: Listen... How many times throughout this podcast have we called out Disney on their dumbass behavior and they still go ahead and act dumb?
0: I mean, I know all the shows that they put on Disney Plus, they also put on Hulu. So I would think they would close down Disney Plus and just stick with Hulu.
1: Right. Logically speaking, somebody with a functioning brain. But somebody with a functioning brain would have also thought... Hmm, we should get somebody likable to play Snow White. Hmm, maybe we shouldn't put too much woke bullshit into our movies because they aren't doing well. Hmm, maybe we shouldn't oversaturate our markets with superhero movies and Star Wars. Yet they still did it. And they're paying the consequences for it.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I don't know if you heard about the numbers for Captain Oh, I'm sorry, the Marvels!
1: Not only have I heard somewhat of the numbers, but I've heard... That it's not a good film. In the slightest.
0: It is not. I have yet to see it. Part of me kinda wants to see it out of curiosity. Just to see how blah it is. I heard it's not the worst.
1: And so, in other words, there was no purpose to this film. Other than we gotta have a Marvel film with all females, right?
0: Yeah. We got we gotta keep pushing that. Put a chick in it, make her gay. And make it lame. Make it lame. So there's that. I mean, um, as I said, they're going to close out Disney Plus and stick with Hulu, because that would just be fucking dumb if they did it the other way around. Or maybe they'll close them both down and just start a whole new one, which would be probably the dumbest thing to do.
1: The, the, the fact of the matter is, is that it, all these places are in a very weird spot because the avid of having a subscription plan to have all these movies and shows is beneficial to the customer, because now they could just streamline whatever you've got for 10 bucks a month, cool, but they're money-losing endeavors, and at this point, it's not like they can go back to the old model of selling their DVDs and Blu-rays, because you've already created a new model that kind of kills that purpose. So. Where do you go from here? You have to have a streaming service at this point because everybody's got a streaming service. You got Hulu, you got Amazon, you got Netflix, you've got Peacock, you've got uh, Tubi, you got Shutter, AMC.
0: There's
1: so many out there at this point. Now, and I know I'm missing a
0: bunch, but yeah, you still got HBO Max, Paramount Plus. At least it seems that like all the major studios has their own streaming app, with the exception of Sony, which is surprising to me, but.
1: They have no choice but to have a streaming service. Now, whether they go with Hulu, Disney+, Plus, or a whole brand new name is yet to be determined.
0: So, that's that. Uh, Also, this past week, we heard the news that Sony Pictures is going to be working with Nintendo to produce a live-action Legend of Zelda movie. Yes, sir.
1: I heard about this, and I was like, yeah, I could see them doing a good job with this. Uh, But... I didn't know where it would go. Like, right now, we just heard the confirmation of Zelda movies being made. We haven't heard anything about who's going to be playing Link, who's going to be playing Zelda, who's going to be playing Ganon, who's going to be playing any plethora of different characters that have come down the pike in the Zelda movies or movies, Zelda games. Um, we don't know if they're going to base it off the NES game, they're going to base it off of. Ocarina of Time, if they're going to be sort of Breath of the Wild, or if it's just going to be a whole original story, we don't know yet. We know absolutely nothing. We just know it's going to happen, and it's going to be live action. I think, other than Metroid, Zelda is the only title you can make a live action movie based on a Nintendo licensed product, because every other one, it's like, eh, serves better as animated. So because prior to the Mario Brothers movie, I think the only other Nintendo movie or Nintendo licensed product that was made into a movie that I can recall off the top of my head are the Pokemon movies, and they're all pretty much animated. Other than Detective Pikachu, but that's a real bizarre franchise.
0: I, I saw on X or Twitter or whatever that it was announced a lot of people weren't too crazy about it. Not because they don't want a Legend of Zelda movie, but they're just worried what uh, political politics are gonna shove into the film. One of them being who's going to play Link. Will it be a male? Will it be a straight white male? Will it be a diverse, pansexual, Native American, deaf Link or Zelda? They're they're worried about the race swapping. Well, so, I don't understand
1: why people would be afraid because, A, as far as I know, Sony does not have a reputation for pulling this shit. It's not Sony, it's
0: just... The Hollywood scene in general. Yes. It's just reputation. Here's the thing
1: Nintendo is very protective of their products. And Nintendo has shown, specifically with, I think it was Splatoon, where they made it very clear that they're not going to allow like the LGBTQ and the trans flags onto their products. Like if you are online, you can't use that on your character or anything like that. Anything political has to be scrapped. Nintendo's very old school with their approach. To this day, they still do the dams on distress with Mario saving Peach. Because the last Mario game, well, technically the last one that just came out is Wonder. I still have yet to play it, but the one previous, Super Mario Brothers Odyssey or Super Mario Odyssey, it's the same exact formula. Mario. The straight white male Italian plumber who looks like a Mexican, created by a Japanese guy, kind of weird. Anyways, he saves the princess. So they're very protective of their license. So I'm going to assume that they're going to have a very hands-on thing there. Where if they try to insert any of that political ideology into this movie, they're going to be like, you got to take it out.
0: I hope so, because, I mean, with the movies, I'm not sure how much, say, Nintendo itself has when it comes... I mean, video games is one thing, but when it comes to movies, it could be completely different. So, right. I don't know, especially with the fact that Nintendo, it's, fu- it's crazy, Nintendo and Sony are working together.
1: Well, they did work together at one time, it just fell through, but that was with the PlayStation. PlayStation was originally supposed to be uh, what the N64 was. Yeah. Supposed to be a disc-based system, but something went weary, and then Sony just decided, "Oh, we'll go into the into that uh, avenue." But I, again, I'm going to go back to my point. I think Nintendo is going to have a lot of input to at least say, "No, nah, you can't do this. You can't do this." With Link, they can't make him a, a pansexual uh, Filipino uh, raccoon or some shit. No, he is a, a Hylian who has pale skin. That's it. And Zelda's a woman. That's it. Full stop.
0: Might be a trans woman. Yeah,
1: well, you could, you could transition on out of here and we'll go find somebody else to make this.
0: <laughs> but now I have another question for you. I mean, I don't know if you had any time to think about this. Have you, ha, have you been uh, fantasy casting? Any ideas been going through your head? Um, It's
1: very hard for me because obviously with this film being made today, you want a younger cast. And every time I would try and fantasy cast, I would think about people that I grew up watching, but one person in particular, I would think, is, um, I forget the actor's name. He's the uh, main actor in Stranger Things. Oh, freaking name. He also played uh, Richie in the remake of It.
0: I, I know what you're thinking of. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Exactly. I would probably have him as Link. But it, here's the other thing. People don't realize this. Other than the 3DO games, which weren't... Which were the only Nintendo games that weren't on Nintendo. There was some sort of weird agreement that Nintendo had with the Panasonic 3DO. Where they can use Mario and Zelda on there. But other than those... Link doesn't have any dialogue in any of the games. Even now. Even now where... There's actual, like, voice acting. He has no dialogue other than his uh, his yelping when he's fucking hitting somebody, being hit, or getting killed, or anything like that. He has no words.
0: Very similar to Nicolas Cage's character in uh, uh, Willie.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. But he has no dialogue. Maybe we'll get Nicolas Cage. But then again, Link being played by, uh, who's going to be a 60-year-old man, would be a little bit odd.
0: So, well, I, I don't, I don't see that transitioning well onto the big screen. They're gonna have to give him dialogue.
1: <sighs> well, we saw it with w- our. Would rookie. you be open to that? What the uh, link having dialogue? Yeah, depends on the dialogue, and it depends on the actor delivering the dialogue.
0: I know some people were saying maybe Tom Holland could play Link. I could see
1: that. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be too opposed to that. Now. The other questions are who would play Zelda, who would play Ganon, or is it going to be Ganon the Warthog, or are you going to have Ganon the Warthog and Ganondorf the uh, Gerudo form, or are you just going to have Ganon the Gerudo form? That's. I would presume that if they have Ganon the Warthog, that's going to be all CGI and all that crap, but... Making a Gerudo. And then keep in mind, you've got other species, the Gorons, the the Ritas, and the Zoras. Although, in lore, I I always forget the the Zoras are descendants of Ritas or vice versa. The Ritas are like bird like creatures, and Zoras are fish like creatures. You'd always wonder how did birds become fish and fish became birds, but they. Zelda. You gotta. Up with something like that, maybe they'll have Navi, who is the character in Ocarina of Time, it's like the fairy that kind of directs you to certain areas. I'm trying to think if there's any other characters that are specific. I mean, there's characters in uh, Breath of the Wild that became specific there, but as I said, I don't know, I don't know where they're gonna go with this because all we have is an announcement. It could be its own unique story or its own unique telling of the story. Or because in the game, Skyward Sword is considered the first story in the timeline. But again, ever since the NES games 1 and 2, there's never been a game that follows up Zelda 2. It's always been prequel or a sequel to a prequel or a prequel to a prequel or a prequel to the sequel's prequel. So, take that for what you will.
0: So I guess we'll just have to wait and see, hopefully within the coming months, especially now that the uh, actor strike is over. That's why a lot of these announcements are coming out. Now actors could promote movies again, they can start doing Late Night, Jimmy Fallon all that stuff. So uh, obviously, obviously Hollywood wants to get back to the way things were doing, and then when they get shit filmed, they written again, and that's what's happening. They already announced that the, the writer, they're working on another John Wick movie, the Ma- Marvel MCU is getting back on schedule. I think they only got one. Marvel movie coming out next year? I think that's going to be Deadpool 3.
1: Yeah, I'm a little nervous of where Deadpool 3 is going to be because isn't that Marvel, which is technically a Disney license?
0: It is, yes. This will be the first Deadpool movie under the Disney. Oh,
1: great. Here we go. (laughs) Ah, Jesus Christ. Now, fucking Deadpool is going to have to check his privilege.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I would assume that they're going to get back to filming the uh, next Mortal Kombat live-action movie, too
1: couldn't care less about that i mean <laughs> uh who is it cole young yeah,
0: yeah cole young our boy your boy <laughs> well i already mentioned the actor strike yep the actor strike is over uh, i don't know any details behind it so cause i didn't care enough to look into it but yeah that's they uh, agreed to, at least at least for the next three years, everything's going to be back to the way they was, and then we'll see what happens in three years.
1: Yeah. I don't know what was agreed upon if they came to a settlement. Uh, maybe it was like in South Park. Uh, there's an episode at South Park where the Canadians uh, feel like they're being disrespected, so they go on a hunger strike. And they demand the UN to give them more money. The only problem is Nobody gives a shit, so they're just like, they move on with their lives while the Canadians are just sitting there starving. And the guy who is the president of Canada, it's Steve Abootman, it's just a made-up character. He's refusing to give up the strike because he doesn't want to look like an idiot in front of his uh, Canadian people. So Kyle, who's pissed at, uh, what is it, Terrence and Philip aren't releasing new content, he's asking the UN, just give him something to make it feel like he won. So instead of giving him money, all they gave them was coupons to Benegins and free bubblegum for every Canadian. And Terrence and Philip do the math, and they're like, they lost, what was it, $10 million in damages, and the coupons to Benigans and the bubblegum only equates to, like, $3,000. And so they send Steve Boopman to Drift. Maybe that's what happened.
0: Netflix has announced a Terminator animated anime series interesting yeah there are releasing so many? trailers so uh that's gonna be happening soon
1: when you say anime you said anime so a japanese animation
0: yes okay
1: so i'm wondering who they're gonna get to do the american portions of the voiceovers i assume they're not gonna get arnold this thought crossed my mind has arnold ever done an animated film
0: has Arnold ever done any voice acting good question sure.
1: That's my point. Because uh, Sly, so versus Stallone, I know he did that movie uh, Ants. Yes. So he has done voice acting. But as far as Arnold, I don't think he ever did voice acting. I or, don't think so. I know people have done inspirational characters based off of Arnold. Like, what was it? Uh, the Hey Arnold episode based on The Abdicator. He's supposed to be like Arnold, but.
0: Or uh, that one know. character on The Simpsons. Yeah. I forget his
1: name. I haven't yeah. watched Simpsons in a while. Which reminds me, people were all in arms because Homer was no longer gonna choke Bart. Like it's yeah. one thing to be, it's one thing to be mad that they were getting rid of a poo because of stupid odd reasons. What? Homer choking Bart?
0: Yeah, they. They. Uh, I mean, comedy is being stripped. Even as, I mean, geeesh, comedy has already been teabagged so much by. Today's modern audiences by the message. Yeah, this just seems to be its latest uh, victim, its latest target. Homer can no longer choke his son. It's offensive.
1: Is that what it was?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Plus, people gotta realize Simpsons is now owned by Disney. Oh god, this came from the higher ups. No more choking, son. That's not funny.
1: Yeah, neither is Apu, who, out of every character on The Simpsons, had the most dignity attached to him. What was it? I forget the Indian comic's name, but he literally did a tour called Bring Back Apu. He's like, dude, of all Indian characters that we have, Apu was literally the American dream. And you're stripping that away from us. Matter of fact, when someone insulted me by calling me Apu, they're like, when they do the whole, thank you, come again, Oh wow, you insulted me for being polite. Wow. So, it's like, come on. Uh, This this is where we're headed. But the the thing is, is that when it comes to comedy, it's not so much somebody getting offended. It's people reacting to people being offended by actually eradicating that joke or reprimanding said person making that joke. You're giving these people too much power. And they don't have, uh, uh, they have way too much time on their hands. It's quite funny because I was reading something. Are you familiar with what the Adpocalypse is?
0: Uh, I want to say I've heard of it, but no, I'm not familiar with it. So
1: basically the Adpocalypse is a famous term coined on YouTube. YouTube has the YouTube partner program, which allows you to make money off of the videos that you make by letting them put ads onto your videos. The problem is that around 2016, 2017, pewdiepie who's the most subscribed channel on the platform i believe with 111 million subscribers somebody digged up a whole bunch of stuff that he said way back in the day some anti-semitic stuff or whatever the hell and posted on the wall street journal and all these different companies who had done business ventures with pewdiepie they're all like saying oh you gotta leave him and then all these sponsors were like saying to youtube we're gonna pull out because of this and the other And so YouTube went into the extreme measure of making it to where any content that you make as part of our uh, YouTube sharing program has to be family friendly. It has to be for all audiences. So let's say you are a channel that dedicates itself to like talking about unsolved murders. Well, now you're 100% demonetized because you're talking about something that's not family friendly. So the second you say the word like murder or rape or anything like that, they're going to instantly demonetize that video. So if you get a video that's making in 5 million views, let's just say I'm just throwing out a number, you're not seeing a cent because it's not family friendly oriented stuff. So now you got to like switch the word around. And the problem is, is that YouTube's arbitrary system will misinterpret certain words or misinterpret certain things. So like, when uh last year there was a feud between quantum tv and the act man and the whole feud stemmed from quantum tv ripping on the video game elden ring and it just went back and forth back and forth there was a point where in the video that act man made or one of the videos he put an eggplant in front of uh quantum tv's face and youtube demonetized act man's whole channel because in that photo he promoted quote unquote nudity. <laughs> Where the fuck that comes from? I don't know. Or, here's another example. Remember a couple weeks ago, or a couple episodes ago, I ranted about uh, SS Sniper Wolf and what she did to Jack's Films doxing him? Mm-hmm. Okay. The feud between those two began because Jack's Films felt like SS Sniper Wolf was quote-unquote reacting to videos but offering nothing in substance and was stealing money and not giving any to the creator of the original video she was reacting to. Well, there was another YouTuber, forgive me, I forget his name. He also did reaction videos, but he actually added content. Like, he didn't just go, like, watch a video of somebody eating corn and going, wow, that person just ate corn. Now on to the next video. No, he would add like more context and maybe opinions or a little bit of uh like what we do, we add a lot of like our own dialogue and our opinions. That's what he would do. YouTube decided that his whole entire channel could no longer be monetized forever because he was quote-unquote stealing content. Keep in mind he's at 900,000 subscribers. Because he's a small fish in a big pond, YouTube don't give a shit. They're going to give him the fucking book. Meanwhile, SS Sniper Wolf could do the same thing, but because she has 31 million subscribers, we'll give her a temporary monetization suspension for doxing somebody. But she'll be able to make money again for doing the same content and way more egregious than the other person that we just said, no, you can't make money anymore.
0: Yeah, it's, it's showing and favoritism.
1: It is. It's showing favoritism. They don't want to punish their their golden goose. Yeah. But at this rate, what companies just have to do at this point is just be straightforward and transparent. You're going to favorite certain people because they make you money. Like UFC, for example, they should have just straight up said, you know what? John Jones does get a peripheral treatment because he makes us money. I'd at least respect them for it. I wouldn't agree with it, but I respect them. I'd be like, you know what? I can respect that because at least they're honest and I can believe it. And I wouldn't even blame them, sort of, kind of. I would still say it's a bad message to send that if you make enough money, you can get away with murder, but you're at least transparent about it. But when you say, no, 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 everybody gets the same treatment, but then you see it displayed in a completely different avenue, your actions don't match up to the words you spew, like come on, fuck off.
0: Well, and the other, other news story I got before we get to our film reviews... Uh, Warner Brothers, they've done it again. They've axed another movie, a film titled Coyote vs. Acme. Looks like it's gonna be another like one of those live-action cartoon movies, kind of like Roger Rabbit or Space Jam. This will yeah. star John Cena, and be produced by James Gunn. And the film has been axed. It's it's become the new Batgirl. Another film that another movie that was finished filming, it was just axed by Warner Brothers for uh, tax write-offs. And it's being reported that they're getting $30 off of it. Apparently, other studios were willing to buy the movie off of a Warner. But Warner told them, this is not for sale. And the public, everybody on Twitter X is not happy about this. Including the people involved in the movie are not happy about this. That's got to suck. You work on a movie, it's finished, you're happy with how it's turned out. And then a studio says, nah, we're not going to release it. In fact, it's never going to see the public, ever. We're going to throw it in a vault, get our tax write-off. And that's that. So, can you answer me this? Like, do
1: they make these movies with the intention of just getting a tax write-off? I want to say no. So then what's the point of shelving it just for a tax write-off?
0: I don't I don't know. I don't know if this is Dave Zaslow's plan to continue to try to pay off some of their debt. Couldn't? Obviously, the oh, their, their biggest success this year was the Barbie movie. So, hold on. How about creating a movie
1: that'll generate box office?
0: What, like The Flash?
1: Whatever. Some movie that'll create box office so that way you can pay off the debt. Instead of just making a movie and wasting every actor's time and energy into making a film. Like, I'm just speaking as somebody who's done some acting projects here and there. I would be totally insulted if I took time and dedication out of filming, because filming is not as easy as easy you can see. There's a lot of different intricates that come to it. Lighting, uh, getting the actors in the moment, the setting, uh, the the production, trying to edit. Yeah, the sound guy. The sound guy, editing certain things, trying to uh, manipulate certain things that may look off and you don't want it to appear in the actual final product. There's a lot of that. And all that hard work, I would rather the movie get into the theaters and have people shit on it than just have the movie people, whoever is responsible for making these decisions, go out of their way and say, nah, it's not even going to be released. What? What? Like, I can't even have people watch it and give me some sort of constructive criticism on what I could have done better or some praise on my performance. I can't get any of that because you just want to shelve it just
0: for a fucking tax write-off. It's crazy because this seems to be a trend recently, a lot, at least with Warner Brothers.
1: Yeah, you said there was uh, two other movies that they did this with. They did it with uh, Batgirl and Scoob Holiday Haunt.
0: Yeah, yeah, with the Scooby-Doo animation movie, yeah, they... Just you did that as well. Pulled the plug on that too. That is just absolutely unbelievable to me. Like, I, I can understand if you
1: shove it before anything gets into the process or maybe even only a quarter of the way in. But to do it after the whole thing has been completed, that just makes no sense to me at all.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. I understand, you know, you want to pay off this debt, but I, I maybe you want to cancel one movie because of its. Like Batgirl we met you Because of this whole political agenda You notice that it's getting a lot of negative feedback You say you know what fuck it I don't want to do it Sure you're going to piss off the cast and crew Because they put a lot of time and effort into it Mm -hmm. But notice that there's not much of a demand For this movie I could Maybe understand it Because you're worried that it's going to be It's going to be a bigger loss if you release it And it flops than than, Like you would save a lot more money with a tax write-off Than releasing it I understand for that for those reasons at least for that movie but with this one ah uh, I don't know I don't see it right
1: that's what I'm gonna say like you don't know until you release it you don't know with the promotion until you look at look at that movie sound of freedom who would have thought it would have made that much money with the very little press that it got yeah. because that got very little press and that movie did super well meanwhile Movies like the Indiana Jones film got super pushed into your face and it failed miserably.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't understand this. I mean, plus, you know, a lot of people like the Looney Tunes. A Looney Tunes has been around forever. And I, I thought this, would have, this sounded fun. I didn't even know this was even being made. Act, uh, so I, I, again, the film was called Coyote versus Acme. I don't know the base plot of it, but it looked like John Cena was going to be in it. And I, I don't know. I don't know. what. And produced by James Gunn. Uh, I like James Gunn as a filmmaker. I, I don't know how it was going to turn out. But it, it sounded like it, it was going to be a fun movie. I don't know. So, Except now, the only last live-action live Looney Tunes we get to see it would be that crappy Space Jam movie. Space Jam 2.
1: So it says here, After all the products made by Acme Corporation backfire on Wile E. Coyote in his pursuit of the Roadrunner, he hires an equally unlucky human attorney to sue the company when Wiley's lawyer finds out that his former law firm's intimidating boss is Acme's CEO, he teams up with Wiley to win the court case against him. Will Fort, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right was supposed to be Wiley Tione's attorney and the Acme's uh, corporation CEO was John Cena, Cena. so yeah, I-, I thought this would have been an interesting film, not probably and maybe I'm just justifying their uh, reasoning for not releasing it this is not a movie I probably would have gone to see in theaters, but this is definitely a movie I would have seen if it was released on HBO Max or Paramount Plus. This would definitely be something I would have checked out there. But now, apparently, we're never going to get to see this, even though it is finished. It's all complete. All they need is to give that eight uh, millimeter print to a movie theater and then put it in the big screen. What do I know?
0: Now, some people say, you know, maybe it'll get released one day. I don't know the process behind that. I don't know they could say, "All right, we chose mine, We're going to release it instead." I, I don't know how that works because I am mean, obviously, if they wrote it as a tax write-off, they got to pay that money back. I would assume they may have to pay even more, probably plus interest, and who knows how much that's going to be? And again, I don't know the process or how that works. They could even do that legally. So
1: to add to it. If you remember, when River Phoenix passed away, he was in the middle of... Uh, let me try that again. When River Phoenix passed away, he was in the middle of filming a movie called Dark Blood. Dark Blood was being filmed in 1993. Obviously, River Phoenix died on Halloween night 1993 at the Viper Club. The movie was shelved for like 20 years. And then for some odd reason, in 2012, they decided to finally release the film. And it was released in theaters so there is a process where a movie that gets shelved can be released to the public now how it works i don't know but it can be done
0: well those reasonings sound a lot different than uh the reasons we have here
1: yeah but the reasons we have here is even more of a justified reason that you can release it at a later date because the reasons before an actor passed away that's even more of a reason you would think it would never get released because the guy died while in the midst of filming it and it was never completed. This is fucking completed. All you have to do is just go into your vault, take the damn film out, and put it in the theaters.
0: Since they used it as a tax write-off, I don't know what glass, what ceiling ceiling that would, that would put over that if they did just change their mind and decided to release it.
1: So you don't, you don't think that the people who did Dark Blood Who knew that they weren't going to be able to finish the film Because of River Phoenix's death They didn't use that as a tax write-off?
0: No, they didn't, they just shelved it
1: Dude, that makes absolutely no sense If an actor dies And you already put a lot of money Into the film that you were filming And you know you can't finish it You're better off At this point Making a tax write-off out of it Because you know you can't complete this film yeah, and I,
0: 20- I, I think you got to complete it first f- to use it as a tax write up. I, I don't know. I don't know the process of that. Well,
1: they did end up completing it because 20 years later, they ended up releasing the damn thing.
0: Yeah, I guess they felt there was more money seeing that, hey, this is River Phoenix's last movie. Check it out.
1: Yeah, but who's been talking about River Phoenix these last few years other than maybe real hardcore movie buffs? You're not mm-hmm. seeing... You're not seeing a plethora of, like, River Phoenix posters all over the place. Like you are, like, for example, kids in Gen Z, era, they're still wearing Nirvana t-shirts, even though Kurt Cobain's been dead for 30 years.
0: Yeah, they just they just uh, released a new Beatles song now and then. You heard, Have you heard about that?
1: I did hear about that, yes. I haven't heard the song yet, but I have heard. Um, but the Beatles... Did- we did say on this podcast that they are the most iconic band ever.
0: Yeah, so, you the story behind that song,
1: uh, Enlightenment. Go ahead.
0: Uh, quick summary John Lennon made like a demo tape of the song now and then, maybe like the late 70s, early 80s. But I mean, again, it was a demo, it was, it was the song was never finished because he died. So the other three got their hands on the tape in the 90s. And they were, they were willing to finish a song, but the only problem was they couldn't split the audio of Lennon singing, singing from the music that was in the background. So they just said, oh, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be. So all, all one, George died. And then it wasn't until, was it this year? This year or last year, Peter Jackson and his crew were able to create technology where you could take a song and take only the audio... I guess the vocals and split it from the actual music. And they were able to do that with John Lennon's demo tape. And from there and once that they were able to do that, Paul and Ringo were like, Holy shit, we can finally finish this song. And plus yes. they still were able to keep the uh beats or uh, the sample that uh, George made back in ninety five. So they were able to take that, take Lennon singing, take George's uh beats and finish the music yeah it's quite interesting
1: how everything's evolved nowadays because i'll I'll even tell you this i used to do music back in the mid 2000s and one of the things that used to be frustrating for like somebody like myself if you wanted to make a mixtape using an instrumental made by a famous rap artist or whatever let's say that instrumental wasn't readily available back in our day ladies and gentlemen all you Gen Zers, we had a thing called LimeWire. Um, we all le- also had Napster and all that. That's where you got your instrumentals. And some were easy. A lot of Eminem's, Snoop Dogs, and all that. Their instrumentals were easy because, for the most part, it would always be readily available. But let's say you wanted an instrumental that was from an underground artist that wasn't as readily available to come by. They did have a thing called Vocal Remover, but I mean, in two thousand five. Trying to use vocal remover on a beat with somebody's vocals already on it, it wasn't a practical techn- technology to use at that point. So you were just asked out of luck. You just had to hope that the instrumental just happened to be available. Nowadays, I just went on YouTube and saw somebody use AI to make the song Come As You Are from Nirvana sound like Paul McCartney sang it. It's fucking crazy how far we've come. This type of technology is what I wished we would have had 20 years ago when I was doing music. It would have made my life so much easier.
0: But let me ask you this now, because... Well, I think in this case with the Beatles, it's acceptable because they actually have at least Lennon's recorded voice from when he was alive. Instead of just using, like, duplicating his voice for, like, AI. Right. I'm, I'm not sure where, my, where I'm going with this question, was, but do you feel like... Like, if they were to do, like, an A.I. of the Beatles, Just the same way they looked during their prime years, would you see, go to see them live? Oh, it's... Mm,
1: that falls under the same category as, like, tribute bands. There's so many different tribute bands of the Beatles that perform their music. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it any worse than that? I don't know. Um Now, that being said... It's one thing if you start using A.I. to replicate concerts of the Beatles back Or even
0: were. like a Tupac or Biggie, just... Like, you know, they were like like dead artists.
1: Now, where you get into real sketchy grounds is if you start making new music with the A.I., that's where you kind of get a little bit fuzzy with me.
0: Yes, I, like, I agree 100%, yes.
1: That's where it gets a little bit weird. Um, as far as, like, live performances, I do remember seeing the clip of the AI Tupac. It's, it's quite weird. I do recall that Arthur, one time, did a, an episode based off of a band that all these kids liked. And they were such a huge fan of this band. And the kids, I I can't remember how they got the access, but they were granted access to finally meet the band. And they were so excited to see them. And they come to find out that the four members of the band weren't real, they were holograms. And they were very disappointed by that. Now that's different because this was, I I guess you could say just a pseudo band, kind of like the Archies were a pseudo band. But in this case, I don't know. I can see the argument of it being a little bit tasteless to have AI performing on stage. But by the same token, I look at it as as long as it's not making new material, if it's just performing the material that we all fell in love with, then we're cool. The thing that I mentioned earlier where somebody making Paul McCartney sing Come As You Are, that was just a fan who just wanted to mess around with an app or whatever they used. If a company starts making it and starts to make money off it, that's where you're getting a little sketchy.
0: Yeah, they make, like, like new Buddy Holly music. You're like, whoa, whoa.
1: <laughs> and and to make matters worse, if they're making Buddy Holly music and they're not giving the family any sort of royalties whatsoever.
0: Yeah, and then it makes you wonder, why would a family sign off on that to begin with? Yeah, well, it's dependent on the person, but... But I think I think I think Paul McCartney owns the rest of Buddy Holly's music, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Could be right. Um, if I was correct, a lot of John Lennon's material could not be made unless Yoko Ono gave the okay, because obviously they were married when he died. Um, same thing with Courtney Love. Like any Nirvana, Kurt Cobain stuff has to go through her before anything, because. Obviously, when you're married and you die, all your assets go to your your spouse.
0: Yeah, but that shows you where we're heading with the technology.
1: Yeah. Technology is, especially in this last year, been a very, very interesting take. I, 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 I can't even explain it.
0: Yeah, and we just mentioned the writer's strike. Obviously, there's an ongoing war with the AI when it comes to being used in the entertainment industry. I mean, because, like, what if, like, you make a new movie and it says starring James Dean? You're like, wait a minute, this this guy's been dead. The
1: problem, there is that problem, but the problem more so is the people not getting compensated for their likeness being used. I don't think there would be this much of a bellyache if they were being paid. If they were being paid, I don't think nobody would give two rats ass if they were using AI. But so the fact that they're not going to get paid, they're going to get their likeness used and not see a cent. That's where the issue lies then. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the writers, that's where it gets a little bit more muckier because you use AI to write scripts. What the fuck, you need a writer for Yeah. That's where it gets really mucky. It's starting to, I think Skynet's coming into reality at this point. It is. <laughs> We Were Warned by James Cameron.
0: Well, I guess we'll head into our film discussion now. Sure. Um, how do you want to do this? Do you want to bounce back and forth between the two movies? Or do you want to do, take it one at a time?
1: One at a time. It's going to get too confusing if we keep
0: bouncing back and forth. All right. So what do you want to do first?
1: Uh, I watched Willie's Wonderland first. Let's do that.
0: I guess before we get to the film discussion, obviously both films have a very similar premise. Uh, i guess five nights at Freddy's was the one i guess that made this idea famous since they were the first to do it now when did the game five nights at freddy came out like in the late 2000s uh 2014. okay 2014. now yeah. obviously five nights at Freddy's was based off chuck e cheese in a way um yeah but in back in 1980 there was a place that was called showbiz pizza place it's like the ultimate uh, family entertainment center. You uh, play arcades, you can have yes. pizza, oh, no. and then of course they had on stage. Uh, what were they called? Animatronics. Yeah, the animatronics with the band. They uh, the name of the band. I think they're called the Rock of Fire Explosion. And then later, um, they got Chuck E. Cheese came around and they eventually bought them out. And the, basically, they all got rebranded as Chuck E. Cheese. And I think Chuck E. Cheese is still around today, is it?
1: It definitely is the the reason you wouldn't be aware of that is because none of us would be allowed to walk in with the chuck e cheese unless we had children last time i was in a chuck e cheese like physically in one i was like maybe 15 and i was there with my younger brother and sister so and i didn't even play in any of the arcades i just sat down with my mom and dad, and we just ate but um
0: i know they chuck- did fall they did fall for bankruptcy a couple years ago
1: um so my wife who's off camera or off microphone i should say i always tell her that her parents deprived her because Chuck E. cheese for a kid was the ultimate experience it, it it really was um especially the one near me because our the ball pit that we had was so huge and then obviously when i got a little bit older they cut it in half and i was just like wow this is stupid but that's beyond the point um Chuck E. Cheese was just virtually, yeah, a kid's dream because it was pizza, which is the most accessible food to any kid. It's very rare that any kid's not going to like pizza, even the most finicky eater, myself included. Uh, you got arcade games, and then you've got uh, the ball pit, you've got the animatronics that sing music and all that stuff. You've got the, the characters that are coming out dressed in the costumes and all that. I never would have thought back in 1995 or whenever I was going to Chuck E. Cheese that they would be able to take this concept and turn it into a horror movie. Um, there were creepy pastas, but I never thought it would actually turn... Well, let me back up a bit because it wasn't a horror movie. It started out as a video game that just happened to be in the premise of something inspired off of Chuck E. Cheese actually
0: the inspiration of Five Nights at Freddy's I believe was there was a documentary that came out in 2008 it's called the Rock of Fire explosion I think it's on YouTube I if I would have if I knew about this I would have watched it before we did our review but okay. it's about basically the rise and fall of the uh, the showbiz pizza place how they basically got taken over by Chuck E. Cheese and, and it follows these diehard fans of showbiz they're basically trying to buy any memorabilia of it. Whether it be the animatronics, they get tattoos. It's just like the ultimate fanboys. Right. And that documentary eventually led to the idea of Five Nights at Freddy's. They basically took that idea and said, and like you said, what if, you know, they made like a horror concept out of it?
1: I want to describe Five Nights at Freddy's the video game, but I want to wait until we get to the movie review of that. Because there's it, when I saw the movie, it from what I remember from at least the first game, it had no concept of the first game in this. Like this this movie was totally devoid of what the first game was trying to display.
0: Okay, I'll ask you questions about them once we get to the end of both reviews. But uh, but that's basically the backstory of how we kind of got to where we are now. Right. And now we have uh, Willy's Wonderland, which came out in 2020 those supposed to get released in theaters, but the unspecified virus of unknown origin put a stop to that. I think it just got released uh, on demand or through Redbox or whatever. Or if it did get released in theaters, it was like very limited. It had a budget of five million dollars or five point five million, and it stars Nicolas Cage as. I guess we could call him the. Uh, he's being he's being credited as a janitor on IMDb, but we'll just call him the Drifter. Or the man that doesn't speak or whatever. But obviously, you know, with the success of Five Nights at Freddy's video game, you had a lot of copycats, I guess you could say, that came out. And Willy's Wonderland is one of those copycats. So I yeah. guess we'll compare the copycat to the eventual the eventual source, mater, source material quotations. And then we'll see which one was better.
1: Yeah. So, interestingly enough... Um you were the one that told me to watch this film for research purposes. And when I looked at it, I was like, we may as well just review it. It's like, it's a horror movie. So we may as well put it on our podcast because whenever, when are we ever going to get back to this? So, um, yeah, it, the, the, the movie starts off with it seems like a mother and a child in this facility and they're going to be killed. Except that the creatures kill off the woman, but not the child. And then it just kind of cuts to Nicolas Cage driving in a car and he's looking all badass. Now, I guess we should also preface this by saying that Nicolas Cage had probably one of the hardest scripts he ever had to read from. I mean, I don't know how he was able to memorize all of his lines for this film, but... Goddamn, I give him all the credit in the world because he had to memorize all of those words and be able to remember them for the camera and not botch them. All zero words that he said in front of that camera.
0: Well, See, I mean, he's an Academy Award-winning actor, Steve.
1: Yeah, you can say that again. I mean, it's,
0: he even he even
1: produced this movie. He He was a producer. Yes, he did have involvement in this. But anyways, as I was saying... He's driving in a car and all of his wheels get completely blown out somehow, some way. And this guy tows his car to the lot. Now, this guy, what's the guy's name that tows him to the lot?
0: Uh, uh, I can't remember the tow truck guy's name. OK, we'll just call him the tow truck guy. Yeah, His name's not important.
1: <laughs> OK, so the tow truck guy takes him to the lot. Now one thing I noticed about the tow truck guy is that I initially thought he had a cigar in his mouth, but it comes to find out he has like a meat stick in his mouth. I'm going to say this as somebody who's an avid Slim Jim eater. I don't know how he could just have that in his mouth and not eat it. He's just like literally got it in his mouth like a cigar. The whole movie is quite strange to me. It's just a weird thought. But anyways they get to this facility where he has to get his car repaired and the guy said i can repair for you for a thousand dollars now nicholas cage is about to pay him in, in with a credit card but the guy is just like uh no nah, i only take cash and the atm that's right to the side there is out of order and he's like oh yeah we don't got internet this town is kind of fucked." and he's like oh you don't got money wait a minute are you willing to work for the car like, are you willing to work it off? Now, keep in mind, Nicolas Cage has no dialogue, but he never even shakes his head. He never acknowledges anything. He doesn't, like, uh, shake his head no or nod his head yes. He's just, like, so silent.
0: He, like, he right? was like an old-school cowboy of sorts. We just, like, kind of drove into town. He's just very yeah. to himself.
1: Like the man with no name, Clint Eastwood, but at least he had dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways... So the 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 tow truck guy calls somebody, he calls a state trooper, state trooper Evan Olson. No, not I'm sorry. I take that back. He calls the Tex Mikado, I think is his name,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Tex Mikado, or whatever. Uh, the state trooper Evan Olson is a cop. We'll get to him in a second. But um, Tex Mikado brings this man with no name to this facility. Uh, Willie's Wonderland And he tells the story about how This place was a magical place for kids You could have the birthday party there It had all sorts of games And it had these animatronics These lovely animatronics But the problem was A couple incidents happened in the past And people sued the place And before you know it They had to shut down So the rules were very simple He just wanted him to stay here all night Clean up the place Make it tidy and Make sure to take your breaks And that was it and by the morning He would pay off the what he needed To get that car fixed
0: yep, And car then you could be ready to go And that's that yep. And that was that So he
1: left and then weirdly enough He chained the door More on that later So while all that's going on <clears throat> There is a girl This young girl named Liv Who wants to burn the place down But her guardian is a cop, Sheriff Eloise. She's like, preventing her from doing this. Now you, you would think that the sheriff has good intentions, more on that later. So she brings her back to their Churla Park home, it looks like, and handcuffs her to a, a, a pipe, make sure that she can't get out because she's gonna burn the place down. Initially you're thinking she's stopping her from doing something stupid because, hey, somebody can get hurt or whatever. But anyways, while that happens, her friends come in. They barge into the trailer park home and get her out of there so that they can complete their mission to burn the place down. All right. So we head back to the janitor, as he's noted. And during his breaks, what he does is he drinks this pop soda or energy drink.
0: Energy drink? I oh, I think it was called punch or power. Oh, yeah.
1: But every time he kept drinking it, it reminded me of grape soda for some reason. And it made me so craving grape soda. <laughs> I don't know. I was just craving it. But this happens quite a bit in the film where he keeps uh, his watch keeps going off and he has to take a drink. But anyways, there's one point where he's cleaning the place. And I think there's, what, a total of eight animatronics. The first one comes up to him and it's a Flamingo. I would say this is my only real gripe with this one was that when the flamingo pretty much made itself known that it's alive, was trying to attack the janitor. And the janitor and him, the, this flamingo, had a fight. The flamingo itself looked horrible. The CGI looked horrible for this. Everything else was fine, but this was the only one I was kind of like, eh, this, eh, eh, eh. Anyways, they have their fight, and the janitor Beats this flamingo. I'm like, wow, this the flamingo is just getting its ass beat, or one of the animatronics gets their ass beat. Usually horror movies, the horror movie icon kind of kicks a bit of ass before letting the the action start get over. But it is what it is. So, anyways, janitor's cleaning up the place, and then the next uh, room that it cleans is the bathroom. But as it's leaving. The music turns on and they're singing that happy birthday song. And as he goes back into the bathroom, there's like something like written on the wind the mirror saying like happy birthday or some shit. And now the gorilla is in one of the stalls. He has to play hide and seek, and the gorilla comes, attacks him, they have their big fight, and Nicolas Cage wins again. Um so now all the kids Do arrive at the building, and we're also introduced to Evan Olsen and Eloise, who are at the police station. And their duty is to hope that nobody calls in. Anyways, so the kids, they're about to burn the place down, but they notice that the janitor is still in there. And what is it? Liv wants to get him out of there before they burn the place down. But the other people are like, eh, fuck it, let him be cremated, whatever. So they have to find their way into the building to get him out of there. But every time that uh, Liv tries to get him out of there, he just completely brushes her off. Because he's the janitor, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to remember if he kills any animatronics before the big reveal of that place.
0: Uh, uh, killed those. He already killed two. Yeah, um, two. I'm trying to remember. I think Liv, when Liv tried mm-hmm. to go in, she was being chased in the... Uh, uh, by the crocodile in the air vents.
1: Yeah, but I think the croc. Yeah, one of them was chasing her in the air vent, but nobody died there. She no, gets she did, in.
0: Get away! Yeah, get out. She got in before the other, before the rest of the crew got in. But the rest of the right. crew acc- accidentally got in by crashing through the ceiling.
1: Yeah, they were on the roof and they were having a big debate. Uh, the the douchebag couple. Well the male of the douchebag couple was like, fuck this. I'm out of here. I'm not even going to deal with this shit anymore. The guy that had a crush on Liv is like, yo, we, we got to do the right thing. We got to save them. And then they crashed through. So Liv does tell the story and clears up all the backstory of this place. And why it's, it is the way it is. Cause she said, you were promised, uh, your vehicle was going to be fixed. Right. And she's like, you've been duped. Your vehicle's yes. not going to be fixed. You're, you're here as bait. So, the deal is, is that this place was opened up in 1996. When she said 20-something years ago, and she said 1996, it made me feel so fucking old. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I had a midlife crisis when she said that shit. But anyways, I digress. So, the deal is, is that this place was opened in 1996 by a really horrible man a real horrible man who would do everything in his power to hire people who were just as horrible as him and lure people into a secret room dressed as uh, Wally and then kill him. Until eventually they killed too many people to where people were noticing a foul smell in the place and people were going missing. So the cops went in there to investigate, but before they could make any arrest, everybody that worked there that was a part of this cult, the satanic cult, they all killed themselves. They killed themselves in a ritual. Many years later, that guy, Tex Mikado, tried to reopen the place. But the problem is, is that when he reopened the place, people were going missing again. Not only that, these animatronics were just killing things left and right. So he had to close up shop again. But this time he just left it open. Now, I'm leaving a little bit of the story to interpretation. And I'll get to that. One of the kids actually called the sheriff, Eloise and trooper Evan Olson to come to the building because they were all in a really tight situation. And Eloise shares a story about how remember in the beginning of the film that, that woman with that little child? That little child was live as a younger child. Now the story is, is that These animatronics were constantly killing people. But at one point, these animatronics weren't just killing people within Wally's Wally's Wonderland. They were actually killing people outside of the building. They were going to people's houses and killing them. They were haunting the town. And they realized that they feasted on people. So Eloise made a compromise to them saying that if you stop haunting everybody in the town you just stay here and we never burn this place down we'll let it just sit here we'll give you something to eat which is a human being so what they would do they would get the uh the the tow guy to plant something to blow the tires out offer them this place to stay get tex mikado to to team up and get them into the building and promise their car would be fixed in the morning but by the morning they'd be dead and they'd have a free vehicle and they wouldn't haunt the town the problem is is that one person lived actually lived and she had to take her in as a legal guardian so now we know that this sheriff is not a good person because she's sacrificing people for no reason
0: mm-hmm. anyways and she, and she took care of the child because she felt bad
1: she did feel bad. There was a part that was good of her, but she was still killing people for the sake of this fucking building.
0: Mm-hmm. And then so when anyway, the it called, originally she shook her up until they mentioned Lib and she's like, God damn it!
1: Yeah. So, anyways, now the animatronics are killing all the kids that are Lib's friends. The Viking sticks a sword to one of them. um What is it? The one character kills the, the couple in the room
0: can't the, remember which one yeah play the playroom i think they call it a super happy friendly playroom oh. that's basically where all the murders happen in the ritual
1: yeah but it was the alligator that killed them mm-hmm. uh and the frog killed the girl or the guy that crushed on the girl by seducing him by saying oh i'm not like them they picked on me this that and the other and he felt bad and then lord her, or lord him and killed him so now it's just Liv and the janitor at this point. So the janitor kills most of the animatronics. Um, what is it? He kills the alligator by ripping its mouth. Uh, it The fairy, it looks like he kills her by, like, twisting her neck. But we come to realize later she sort of survives. We'll get to that. The Viking, I think he chops his head off. Mm-hmm. And then there's some point where, um, yeah, so Louise and Olsen come to the place. Louise puts the janitor in handcuffs and says, you need to be sacrificed. And forces live out of there. This is where we are shown that she's really not a good person. She's like apologizing to the animatronics and the animatronics are just standing there like, like so. And so Olsen is taking uh, Liv home. Like initially he didn't want to put the janitor in handcuffs but louise threatened that he would lose his job so yeah, while I they're think, on the I way think back he
0: was new to town and he still wasn't familiar with the lore of the yeah. town
1: and so while they're going one of the animatronics it's like a mexican character <laughs> he's probably like the funniest animatronic of the bunch he goes and attacks he kills olsen and while that's going to while that's going down, uh, Liv actually attacks the Mexican character, and he's literally saying in Spanish, all oh, my balls, all oh, my balls.
0: I think that was Tito the Turtle.
1: Tito the Turtle? Okay.
0: <laughs> I don't know all their names. Yeah. Tito the Turtle, Artie the Alligator, Gus the Gorilla, uh, Nighty Night, uh, Cammy the Camelon.
1: Gus Gorilla, Ozzy Ostrich. So all the characters seemingly are dead except for Willy.
0: It's like basically like final boss level.
1: Yeah, and at some point Louise comes back and is like, oh my god, I can't believe, you You can't be serious. There was one line that Liv said that I thought was pretty kick-ass, right before she was escorted out to be dr- driven home. she said, he's not trapped in there with them, they're trapped in there with him. Implying he was a badass.
0: Yeah, yeah a little Watchmen vibe there.
1: Yeah. So, Willie does beat the shit out of the janitor for big gets a little of that rub and then eventually the janitor beats his ass and destroys him now after all that was said and done they start playing free bird similar to the ending of devil's rejects which we've reviewed on this podcast go check that out all right. yeah, we,
0: yeah we mentioned before recording we were surprised they got the rights to this song because this is like a five million dollar budget movie and who knows what nicholas cage's asking price was so yep. I mean, it's not like free birds a cheap song to get it's a very well-known rock song it's a classic
1: and so yeah they got the rights to it the best part is is that the mechanic and text arrive thinking oh yeah we got a free car and all this and then they see the janitor walk out and gets his car and leaves they were shocked and they're like wow that's one bad motherfucker." and then they realized oh my god all the animatronics are dead so now they could celebrate now the town is free but there's two that's still a lot the fairy i don't know how the fairy still survived but she crawled up to the end of the truck that they were about to inhabit and then did her little happy birthday uh whatever sign and then put something in the truck and it exploded killing all of them and right before all that happens the janitor is hopping in the car and Liv sees her and sees him and gets into the passenger seat they drive off and they see the Mexican turtle and then they just run his ass over and he explodes that's the end of the movie
0: yeah that, w- that is uh, Willy's Wonderland
1: I'm going to say this in the beginning I thought when he was fighting the ostrich I'm like I'm not going to like this at all the more I watched it it's not perfect but I ended up really enjoying this
0: yeah, it's not perfect. The movie has its flaws. I was surprised so as they like, know that actually wasn't that bad, especially once we get to our second movie. maybe appreciate this more. I really
1: enjoyed this. And you want to know something? I think this is something you made a mention to. We haven't had a real badass action star. Nicolas Cage is like the first in a long time straight white male action star that starred in this movie.
0: Yeah, he was great here. I mean, of course, you mentioned he has zero dialogues, maybe because uh, it's Nicolas Cage. You kind of needed that one actor, that one guy like we could all, you know, we're all familiar with the audience knows. And Nicolas Cage is is a perfect name for this. Yeah. And and I understand, you know, Nicolas Cage's career has kind of been in a slump. And that's why he does a lot of like these straight to red box kind of movies. Because he's one of those. He's in debt. That's why, like, like, if you look at his IMDb now, if you see, like, all the movies he's done, like, within the past couple years, like, in 2021, he had seven movies released, all straight to, like, Redbox. He's on that boat. He's, like, it's him, John Travolta, Bruce Willis. I I would even say Morgan Freeman's kind of entering that territory. Um, John Cusack. They're, like, they're all, like, Redbox actors, you could say, of sorts. And for the most part, it's like these movies are kind of eh, but every now and then there's a little charm like this buried yeah. in there somewhere. And Willy's Wonderland, I would say it kind of has like – it has a bit of like a Killer Clowns kind of vibe to it of sorts. Yeah,
1: I think that's what helped it. It was that it wasn't totally serious. It was self-aware, and it wasn't like totally in your face either. I think that's what helped it. I, as I said – if you're going to be comedy, don't be too in-your-face wink-wink at me. And I think that's what helped this. Um, I don't know if this movie was rated R, because... Well, then again, some of the kills were graphic, but...
0: Yeah, the sheriff, she, went, got, she split in half.
1: She did, but... They did smoke and mirror the whole thing, so... To me... I thought the film had a lot of charm to it. I think... Because it's comedy, I can let go of the fact that the animatronics didn't do all the killing first before Nicolas Cage ripped them all apart. But all in all, I think it did what it needed to do. Uh, The fairy looked really good, in my opinion. The way the fairy, just like the way it moved and the mask, it looked really freaking creepy. It had its creepy elements, but it had its comedy elements.
0: Yeah, it's it's more comedy.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it. I I have no complaints. Uh, like I said, it all started with the ostrich not looking too well when fighting Nicolas Cage. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be one of those. But then, as the movie went on and I watched it more, this is a movie I would definitely watch again for sure.
0: Yeah, as I mentioned, it has a nice little killer clowns vibe to it. I would even say it has a little bit of a child's play to it. We mentioned the part where the um, they kind of did a ritual. They sacrificed basically, killing themselves. I think they said that they their souls kind of got teleported into the uh, animatronics.
1: Right. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, basically all the people that kill themselves now inhabit the animatronics.
0: Yeah, and then the killer that started that place basically hired a bunch of pedophiles. You know, we mentioned this when we have our conversations about, you know, pedophilia, that, you know, it seems like all these guys stick together. Yeah. Hesh.
1: Yeah, as, as you could tell... We did that movie, Serbian film, and we couldn't even rate it because of how crazy that was. But um, yeah, this was, and it was. Well, no, 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 I'm thinking of Five Nights at Freddy's. But yeah, this film definitely was fun, and I think what hurt it, unfortunately, was that it didn't get its national release due to that COVID. But I think if it would have, you could have done some good merchandising off of this. But
0: I could, do you, I could see this getting a cult following in a couple years. Maybe not a couple years, but several years down the line, line, I can see this film gaining a cult status.
1: Maybe if it weren't for the fact that Five Nights at Freddy's made a film two years later. That is true. And unfortunately, Five Nights at Freddy's, I shouldn't say unfortunately, if you're a fan of the movie or the franchise Five Nights at Freddy's, that did pretty well.
0: Oh, it did very well.
1: Yeah. So I think
0: it's out of the running. Yeah. Getting for- cult of getting that yeah even with Nicolas Cage in it I mean it has obviously this film has a bit has bigger names in it than Five Nights at Freddy's but I mean the selling point for that movie is, is the brand itself Five Nights right but at least with a film like this it needed at least that one big name you need almost like that Rucker Hauer when it came like when he did uh, Hobo with a Shotgun like right. Nic- Nicolas Cage would have been perfect for that too yeah
1: like I said I thought Everything about this was very fun, and I definitely want to watch it again at some point, just for random sake.
0: Yep, it's on Hulu, I believe it's also on Tubi, so it's it's a film that's kind of available at, uh, anywhere, I'm assuming whatever streaming app you have, it's probably on there. But yeah, check out, uh, I, it gets a thumbs up from me, I mean, it's a fun film, definitely for any fans of Five Nights, I would recommend this for you. If you like Killer Clowns, I recommend this for you as well.
1: Yeah, and it's not long either, it's an hour and 28 minutes.
0: Yeah, under under the ninety minute mark, so it's not bad.
1: Yes, but don't watch Nicholas Cage drinking punch because it'll make you thirsty. I really yeah, want. To get soda I know out. it
0: made me thirsty. I'm like, fuck. I feel like I want to get a soda. <laughs> I, w- I want some great soda right now. literally. <laughs> well, and then we get to Five Nights at Freddy's, just released last month, I believe, the last weekend of October. Uh, made on a budget of twenty million, and and so far it's made over two hundred million worldwide. So yeah. October has been a very successful month for our friends over at the Blumhouse. They had this, and they had Exorcist: Believer, both financially did well, but both critically, not so much. Well, at least when it comes to this film, the critics didn't like it, but it seems, but the fans of this of the video game seem to have enjoyed it. My niece enjoyed this movie. She enjoyed it more than me and my parents did. So, yeah, what
1: was bizarre to me was let me give me let me give the premise of the first game that I remember from it.
0: Yeah, cuz you can compare more from the game with the movie. So, I'll just explain the game
1: that I remember. The whole game is you are a security guard in one room. You're in a room, and you've got security cameras, and you've got doors, and you've got a couple of other things at your disposal, like a tablet, Uh, you've got a mask, and you've got the doors that you can lock, but you've got a finite amount of energy that you can use. So there's a little bit of strategy that's going to be used. And the whole premise is, is that these animatronics are not possessed by a human, or a ghost, or whatever. They're just animatronics that are built in differently. That if they see a human during the nighttime, they have to put it in an animatronic suit. But in turn, if they do that, it kills you. Now, there are ways that you can avoid it. You can close the doors when the animatronics are coming by. That'll make them go away. Or if they enter in the room, you put on your mask and they'll think that you are an animatronic and just walk away. Shit like that you got to survive five nights at it, and of course, each night it gets a little bit more difficult. And the other thing, too, is that the premise is Five Nights at Freddy's, or the name of the restaurant, what is it? Uh, Freddy's... Freddy's Pizzeria, or whatever the fuck it's called. It's meant to be a place that's still operating, it's just that during the night, weird shit happens. But during the day, it still runs like a normal business. Or Freddy Fazbear's Pizza, or Fazbear's Pizza is what it's called. Well, anyways, the movie starts off with some security guard that's running away, and then he gets captured, and he's put into a chair, and there's an animatronic mask being uh, drilled towards his face, and it's the end of that, and we get to the opening scene. where we uh, in-
0: before you continue, this film is rated PG-13. Yeah,
1: there's no real gore in that so.
0: Which which is one of my complaints, but continue.
1: Uh, that's the least of our problems. <laughs> um, Mike Schmidt is a security guard at a mall. And he sees a situation where a man grabs a kid and runs away. Or, or storms away. And then he runs after the man and he punches him into oblivion, into a water fountain. And it's because he thought the man was trying to kidnap this kid, but that was the father of the kid. And he was, he was the father was just frustrated with the kid or whatever. So obviously he gets fired from that job because he beat up a civilian. So he goes to an agency where uh, Steve Raglan, played by Matthew Lillard, is, uh, he's kind of like a career counselor or whatever. And he's like, Yo, you know, you've gotten yourself fired from all these jobs. You're obviously a mental case. There's very little opportunity I could give you. But there is one job offering that I can give you. The pro- problem is it pays little. Oh, and even worse, it's at night. And guys like I can't do nights. And uh, whatchamacallit, Steve Raglan gives him his business card and says, here, in case you change your mind. See Mike come home and there's a babysitter there, gives her the money or whatever, and he has a little sister who just draws all the time. Now, obviously, they go to the next thing we get to is at the school where the aunt of these two is fighting for the custody of this child because she feels like uh, Mike is not a good fit to be a guardian. Now, keep in mind, Mike is always seeing these weird visions in his head, but I'll get I'll get to that.
0: Aunt Jane, I'm looking at her face, and I'm saying, like, I've seen you somewhere before, mm-hmm. and I can't place you. The actress's name is Mary Stewart Masterson, and then it hit me. She was in, um, what's that Johnny Depp movie? Was it Benny and June?
1: Uh, yes. Benny and June is the Johnny Depp film.
0: Okay, I think that was the one she was in with him. Because I've, I've seen her in that, and I've seen her, what's the other one, Fried Green Tomatoes?
1: She was also in Fried Green Tomatoes, yes.
0: Yes, I know. Okay, and actually, okay, that's where I've seen you from.
1: She was also in Chances Are, Some Kind of Wonderful.
0: And and close range. range. What's that last one?
1: Close Range. Close Range. I don't know if she had a big part in that, but anyways. So, he's thinking of giving up custody to Gene because he doesn't think he's a good fit. But the teacher says that he is a good fit because all of her drawings that he draws involves him in some way. So she's like, yo, you need to go ahead, go with this. Uh, Be the legal guardian. So he calls up um, the guy, Steve, and says, yeah, do you still have that job? And he said, yeah. Um, The one thing they did get right is when you first play Five Nights at Freddy's, The first thing you'll hear on the little intercom is the guy giving you instructions on the animatronics and all that, and they did that part kind of well. So Steve gives them the instructions, this, that, and the other, be careful. The thing is, is that he's always falling asleep at the job and he's always seeing visions of this kid in a car being taken away. And you don't understand why. Eventually, there's a cop that comes by named Vanessa, who they develop some sort of friendship with, I guess. It's the weirdest thing. Not not in the game, in the game? No, no. From what I remember, the only real characters are the animatronics and the person that's on the intercom telling you the rules. These aren't characters in the game. Anyways... So all this is, is new for the movie that I can recall. To be fair, I haven't been an avid viewer of the franchise. Maybe they showed up in 2, 3, and 4 or whatever. But anyways, she comes in and... What was it? There was one dream that he had where he saw a kid and the kid, like, cut his arm and she saw the cut and pasted it up. So it's like these... Things that are happening to his dreams are happening in real life.
0: Okay, so we do Nightmare on Elm Street. Wrong Freddy.
1: Wrong Freddy, yeah. The other Freddy, Krueger that is, was a little bit more terrifying, but... Anyways. There was a point where Gene was getting upset that nothing was swaying him to sign the papers. So they had to come up with this plan. So that babysitter that you saw that looked like she was a decent person well she was undercover for Jane and so uh, her and two other men were going to storm into that place while Mike was away and just trash it to make Mike look like he destroyed it so that he would give up custody of the child well when they do this obviously they meet their fate the animatronics come to life and just completely slaughter them I should also make mention there was one scene that was interesting when Mike's first night there, he finds a secure not a security, it was like a training, first time training for somebody who just got hired for security and it's kind of like one of those videos, presentations that all those fast food places give you when you get hired and it always kind of fizzled out when they got to the animatronics part so sees all these
0: that when he saw that tape the he ended up falling asleep does that count as night one I guess I don't fucking... this, this was one of my many critiques with this film I was like wait so he survived night one then yeah he did all you had to do and he didn't even do that he just fell asleep right well
1: again so the thing is is that he's falling asleep because later on we come to realize that the dream that he has is an actual moment that happened to him in real life. The moment that happened to him in real life was that he was at like a picnic with his parents and he had a brother named Garrett. And this strange individual took Garrett, locked him in the car and drove off with him and he never saw him again. He, this was like when he was 12. And he has this philosophy because he's telling this all to Vanessa, the cop. And he's saying... His philosophy is that he goes to sleep to try and remember every little thing because all details that you see in your life there's like, it's always locked in your brain and if you can just like pick apart the scene you may be able to find something that you may have missed at that initial moment. So that's his initial thing but she said you can't fall asleep at the job otherwise I gotta report you and then this and the other. Who the fuck cares? Um. Now we do see Jane again later on, and it's quite interesting because when we see her, she doesn't question what happened to all the individuals that she hired to fuck this place up. Never one, <laughs> kind of interesting. You would think that she hired these people to, to sabotage this place and never asked questions as to what yeah, the I hell what's,
0: what's the progress reporter? What's going on?
1: Yeah, and then realizing that they're all gone. The only update we get is Mike does try to contact the babysitter to no avail but never well no I shouldn't say never we'll get to that when he does realize that he can't get in contact with the babysitter he decides to bring his younger sister to um to the place because it's like there's nothing for to do but now this is where the film gets a little bit weird and i thought they had a an interesting concept but it's just not executed well the younger sister uh abby that's the name of the girl she befriends these animatronics which is quite weird so they appear harmless it's yeah so, they, they they start to act friendly towards all of them the, the vanessa mike and her so you start to wonder to yourself about these animatronics bad or they just bad to people that try to invade the place who knows I don't know it was there was some sort of an interest there but I'm like this is a little bit weird so Mike's still having these dreams with these kids now keep in mind when the dream happens and the scenario happens these random five kids show up and he doesn't know who these kids are well now eventually he dreams this once again and sees the five kids and the kids basically tell him, because now the scenario is is that he sees his parents, which by the way, I should also mention, his mother had passed away a p- few years prior to the moment that we're seeing there. And the dad, I, he said something that the dad just couldn't take it anymore. I guess he alluded to the fact his dad committed suicide. But the kids basically said that, you want this moment for the rest of your life? Because you keep replaying it in your head. We can give you Garrett forever. And your parents. In return, you got to give us Abby. And at first, he was like, yes, but then he regretted and said, no, 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 I don't want to give Abby. And so they start stabbing him all over the place, this and the other. Now, earlier, Jane had said, I will shoot you if you bring Abby back here again. It's like, why? Like, why is she taking this so damn serious? So, Abby patches them up after he got all this the scratches and all that and then mike is like what the fuck is going on here what is your apprehension to this whole ordeal blah 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 so she basically says that she uh knows this place and it was what was it the 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 place was ran by her father Well, the father, her father is the one that's causing these animatronics to go crazy because the father, her father kidnapped. Basically, what it was, was the father kidnapped his brother. That's who was the one that kidnapped his brother and killed him. But he also kidnapped five other kids, killed them. And those five kids are the ones that are inhabiting these animatronics. That's the basic gist here. The father is the one that's behind this whole entire ordeal. Okay. So now they have to save Abby before it's too late. Because Abby's now with Jane. Because there was one point right beforehand where Mike was just going to give Jane up. Or excuse me, to Abby up to Jane, the aunt. Well, then the aunt gets killed by one of the animatronics that was visiting to take Abby back to the stupid pizzeria.
0: Or at least I think they killed her. We never actually get to see her get killed or shown her death. Well, She's just laying on the floor.
1: She was laying on the floor, and the kid said, no, nah, sleep. She's sleeping." I, 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 think that's safe to say they killed her. She could be sleeping. She could have just drank herself to sleep. Really? Really? Because
0: this film, she, well, I guess I'll, I'll save it to the end. But anyways, so one of the
1: animatronics brings Abby back. And they allude to the fact they're going to slam Abby into another animatronic. They want Abby to be one of them. Abby gets freaked out. And there's a point where... uh, Whatchamacallit? (sighs) Vanessa tells him that what you need to do is electrocute them. Because it'll shock them for a bit and stun them. It won't eradicate them, but it'll stun them. And then that's what he does. He stuns all the animatronics down. But keep in mind of this, in a lot of Abby's memories, there's a yellow rabbit, and that yellow rabbit is supposed to be a representation of the father of Vanessa, because he's the one that created this whole entire scenario. Well, the yellow rabbit finally comes out of the woodworks out of nowhere, and when he does the stun gun thing, it doesn't work on this yellow rabbit. The yellow rabbit knocks him down, looks like he's about to kill But then the yellow rabbit takes off his mask, and who is the yellow rabbit? It is. It's me, Austin! It's me, Austin! Yes. It was the big Vince McMahon reveal. It's Matthew Lillard's character from earlier, Steve Raglan, who is actually William Afton. Why?
0: Okay.
1: Sure. (laughs) Sure. That was a swerve.
0: Yeah. What a
1: tweet. Well, what did M. Night Shyamalan have any sort of participation in this film whatsoever? Or Vince Russo, bro? <laughs> Anyways. Vanessa finally comes out of the woodwork and stands up to her father, but her father stabs her in the belly. Looks like he killed her, but... Get to that. So, do you want to know how they were get, able to get the animatronics to finally, like, not kill them? They had to have Abby draw a picture of who was actually responsible for killing these children. And then put it up on the wall and put a spotlight on it and then once that happened the the animatronics were able to see that photo showing that he killed them all and then they ended up killing him i guess and locking him in a room the same room where all the other victims are sure yeah and then they all get away vanessa's in the hospital which was the weird thing to me is that when they build a dynamic between a man and a woman it usually leads up to them becoming a couple and kissing that never happened to her she no, just gets stabbed in the belly that's the least she, of my problems but well but, but that's the whole build-up is they're gonna finally have that kiss and she's well, not the- i don't know because she was she did keep secrets from this guy doesn't matter. The point is is that they were supposed to build a dynamic between the two where they finally connect and then all of a sudden we see her in the hospital. He tells her, listen, I don't know if you can hear me, but you you don't realize how much you really helped us. I don't think we could have done it without you. And she she never awakes from her coma. She never awakes from anything. She's just.
0: Maybe she's not looking for true love. Maybe she wants to be the strong, powerful leader that she is
1: maybe they're not looking for a true story that can captivate me I don't know (laughs) the point is is that the fucking movie ends with freaking Abby and Mike having
0: dinner and that's it whatever and then they have a teeth that he might be still be alive Uh, that was five nights of boredom
1: it wasn't that it was boring it was just that it
0: was not good I was very disappointed with this I thought this would have been like Willy's Wonderland, but with a bigger budget. I yeah. mean, I, I appreciate the film, the fact that you know it's all animatronics, no CGI. They went to, they worked with a Jim Henson's Creature Shop to do the, uh, the looks to Five Nights at Freddy's, and they nailed the looks down perfectly. Yeah, the looks were not the problem. No, that's that probably the best part of the movie is just seeing them. But besides that. I mean, we mentioned it was PG-13. There was no gore. Every All the kills happened off-screen, which, to me, I thought this film played it way too safe. Way too safe.
1: Well, yeah, because part of the problem is that Five Nights at Freddy's uh, audience is technically much younger.
0: Oh, so, yeah, it has that, they're trying to get the teenagers why they did the PG-13, but still. Correct. Huh. I just I was not into this story at all. I thought the story Willy Wonder with Willy's Wonderland, how like basically the townspeople agreed to help these people just so they leave them alone, alone. so just basically just feed them some outsider drifters whoever they could get their hands on. I thought that was way more interesting than here, and it and it explained what, how the animatronics in that movie came to life. How basically I <laughs> worked there was a pedophile. And instead of being captured by the cops they sacrifice themselves through some ritual basically you know child's play like teleporting their souls into these into a doll in this case it's animatronics how did the kids of the souls get into the bears
1: yeah they never explained that how these kids are now on the bears it just that was really weird
0: and to some and does something happen to Five Nights? Like, is Five Nights very still an operating business? Or is it just there?
1: It looks like it's just there in this movie context. Like I said, in the first game, from what I understand, it's still an operating business. But here, they just treat it like as if this thing is out of business. Who the fuck is it, it, it was cheesy, but not in a good way. Willy's Wonderland was cheesy, but it was cheesy in a good way. And again, it tied up all the loose ends that you had or may have had with the movie. Like, all the characters, like, why they are where they are, this, that, and the other. This just didn't do that. It's just like, oh, so this random guy... This random guy kills kids, and his secret identity is he's a career counselor. And he just lures random adult men into his place to be killed by children he killed in his
0: past what and when it was first revealed that these animatronics came to life and they started playing with his little sister why didn't he like report that to the police I understand you know he had there's the girl Vanessa but I would have he seemed to be very calm when when he was when it first came to him I'm like, oh, they come to life. Okay, that's cool. They can play my little sister. So I'm being, holy shit, we should call the freaking FBI. Well,
1: here's the thing. He did react, but he did react more calmly than he should have. Yeah. But he did have the whole, oh, my God, I don't know if they're safe or whatever. But his reaction was not based in reality if anybody else was in that scenario in real life. It would have been more of a holy shit panic mode.
0: Holy shit, grab his little sister, I'm getting the hell out of here, and I'm calling the cops.
1: Right. Which never fucking happened. But then again, logically speaking, is any cop going to buy it? Don't know, but there
0: would have been more of a panic. Yeah, and, and when it comes to the concept of Five Nights at Freddy's, are they locked in that building the entire daytime when surviving night one? Because otherwise, why the hell would you go back there? No, no. The
1: whole point is you're supposed to. The whole premise of the game is you're a night shift guy. As far as the daytime in the games, it wouldn't matter because the animatronics act like animatronics during the day. In the game one. Yeah, world.
0: and if crazy shit happens on night one, you would. Well, I don't It depends what happens on night one where you got to survive five nights. Because nothing too crazy can happen to the point where you say, fuck this, I ain't coming back, I quit. I don't know. And, I, this, because, and with this film, where do the fighting five nights come in?
1: I guess each time Where's the day night, I have no idea.
0: Because, it, if anything, it seemed more like they were about how his little brother got kidnapped than the actual puppets, the animatronics itself. That, so, I'm, I'm like, where do the Five Nights survival mode come in?
1: That's where um, people who do criticize this movie come in. They do believe that the animatronics took a backseat. They did? They were not the main... It was, it was in the same vein of... If you watch the original producer's cut of Halloween Six, it almost seems like Michael Myers takes a backseat to this cult.
0: They just feel like background characters to this story about his little brother being kidnapped. I, I don't know. I just really wasn't into it. I mean, and they could have done more with the aunt. I mean, they said she was bad. Like, yeah, maybe she wanted she wanted the kid obviously just to get extra money from the state. But I I don't know, I just felt like she didn't get enough screen time to really see her get her comeuppance. Because even in the, when she was just lying on the floor, I was like, wait, wait, that's it? She just dies like that off screen, we don't even see it? Yep. She was so underdeveloped that she doesn't even get killed on screen? Yeah, I... I... And and she was never worried what happened to that crew she sent in to try to to sabotage her nephew? I don't and what was up with that lawyer why was he so nervous and so worried it looked like something was wrong with him every time he tried to leave she told him sit down so it clearly yeah. it seemed like she had something on the lawyer that and then, was never followed up the, on
1: and on top of that after that scene where they established that we never see the
0: lawyer again yeah everything everything just felt underdeveloped there was no payoff to anything
1: yeah And then you sit here and wonder why I hate Barbarian. (laughs) Why do you think I hate that movie so fucking much? Because there's so many loose ends that were never fucking tied up. They were just like, here's a loose end. Oh, here's a loose end. Here's a bunch of untied shoes that we're not even going to tie. We're going to let everybody trip like SpongeBob in that one episode where his shoes are untied.
0: I was I was very disappointed with this. I mean, financially, this was a big month for Blumhouse with this and the Exorcist movie, but both movies were just very blah. Now, which one was worse? To me, that's a, it's a coin toss decision for me because I was not impressed with either of these films. I mean, Matthew Lill- I mean, I'm happy to see Matthew Lillard on screen again. He was always talented. It seems yeah. like he's going to be coming back for more sequels, depending how many they do. But seeing that this one already did over 200 million off of a twenty million dollar budget I mean that's a huge success so they're right. gonna be more I mean video game video game movies are are the are the new thing now it seems like
1: yeah but they're still following the trend of being shitty other than maybe the Mario Brother movie which I still gotta watch
0: Mario brother movie you got this I'm pretty sure there's another another one in there I'm missing um I was very disappointed with this.
1: Yeah, it was not good.
0: This movie was definitely not good. No. So, obviously, were my thumbs, I would say skip it. Uh, Thumbs down for me. Um, Obviously, Willy's Wonderland was way better than this.
1: Yeah. I'll take Willy's Wonderland, because at least it was self-aware. It was cheesy, and for a movie that is cheesy, it tied up every loose end that I can think of. Yeah. The only thing that five nights that freddy has is an already established franchise from 10 years ago
0: to go yeah, off they, on they have the brand yeah so and unfortunately that's gonna overshadow whatever willie's wonderland was trying to accomplish right so and um yeah i'm gonna say skip this one i'm pretty sure you agree with me
1: yep i do agree
0: um yeah any any last words before we wrap this one up
1: um. All I'm gonna say is that it, it, this is definitely a, a subgenre of franchise. I never thought I would ever see haunted animatronics at uh Chuck E. Cheese-like uh, place. And I'll just safely say that I was pleasantly surprised by Willy's Wonderland. I'm glad that you told me to watch that for reference because it was very enjoyable. I didn't feel like I wasted my time with Five Nights at Freddy's. Ugh. It's definitely not the worst movie we've done on this podcast, not by a long shot, but definitely wasn't great either.
0: Yeah, Willie, I was aware of Willy's Wonderland for a while. I just never got around to it because I figured oh, it was just another one of those Red Box movies, Nicolas Cage. Eh. But I saw that Nicolas Cage was trying to make a comeback. Yeah. And then I know people say, like, he's actually, some of these movies he's done were actually pretty good. I know I know one of them mentioned that movie he did was pretty good. And some said, well, Woolies Wonderland was pretty fun as well. I figure, well, let's see, animatronics, Five Nights at Freddy's. Fuck it, let me check this one out. So I was like, you know, it was actually not that bad. And that's why I mentioned it to you. And, uh, and then right before we started, I just found out there's another one, the Banana Splits movie, which I think it's on Prime. And then of course there's like that documentary about uh showbiz pizza place i think it's about chuck E. cheese as well basically how they run the rise and fall of those of that brand all right so i'll definitely get around i think the is on youtube as i mentioned i'm going to get around to checking it out i'll let you know i know every now and now i like to rig up documentaries on this podcast all i got for this obviously willy's wonderland check it out if you guys really want to see Five Nights at Freddy's, it's on theaters now, and it's streaming exclusively on the cock.
1: There you go. So if you got the
0: cock. Speaking of Peacock, another film that's streaming exclusively on there that we're going to review reviewing on our next episode, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Yes. I can't wait. Yeah, we'll see how that does. Hopefully it has like a, it's so bad. Oh, well, hopefully it's just one of those kind of movies.
1: Oh yeah, well, I'm hoping it's like Black Devil Ball from Hell territory, but then again, it looks like it has a better budget.
0: Yeah. I hope it's more Lamet esque or Woodchipper Massacre. Chipper Massacre. So uh, yeah, we'll be watching that in our next episode. But if you guys want to see that, it's on Peacock as well. That's going to do it for this episode from Monoxide, I'm Terminator Travis. It's your birthday.